0: Indigenous Rights Radio Because knowledge is power The International Day for People of African Descent commemorates the extraordinary culture and diversity of people from the motherland and we also pay homage to the sacrifices made by Africans with regard to the development of our societies throughout time. We also take a moment to reflect on the people of African descent who are here in times gone by, who stood up against slavery and other violations that has gone unpunished for hundreds of years. We celebrate holders of traditional knowledge, healers, leaders of religious institutions, schools, libraries defenders of lands and territories, and keepers of culture. We think about creators of musical instruments and music, dance genres, literature and writing systems. In this radio program, we will remember Louis of Mauritius and Abram van der Kamp. The Jay Rebellion took place at the Cape in South Africa on the 25th of October 1808, led by slaves Louis van Mauritius and Abram van der Kaap. Approximately 326 slaves, including a few indentured Quena laborers and two Irish sailors took part in the organized rebellion plotted at a Cape waterfront tavern and lodged from a Swartland wheat farm called Vogelgesang. The rebellion was led by a 30-year-old slave named Louis van Mauritius who was sold from a passing ship to the Kirsten family as a 4-year-old child. It was customary to name first generation imported slaves after the place which they were from. Second generation locally born Creole slaves were given the surname Van der Cap, meaning from the Cape, and third generation slaves were then often given the first name of their slave father as a surname. Examples of these would be Peterson or Jansen, meaning belonging to Peter or Jan, respectively. The following is taken from capetownmuseum.org.
1: From 1652 to 1834 slavery was a formal institution in the cape colony and spread across south africa as the Boers checked to set up newly colonized territories even after emancipation so-called prized slaves continued to be brought in until 1845 and were then placed with employers under long indentured contracts that closely resembled slavery from 1652 to 1808 there were 63,000 first generation slaves brought to the Cape and then at least another 15,000 prize slaves from 1808 to 1856. These figures do not include those many unrecorded slaves brought to the Cape nor the thousands of indigene, quena, and sand frontier slaves and other indigene African slaves taken by Boer commandos beyond the borders of the Cape. It also does not include the thousands of enslaved persons born to successive generations of the children of the first-generation slaves. The first-generation slaves brought from other lands include 17,315 slaves from India, 47,150 slaves from Africa and Madagascar, and 13,545 from the Indonesian archipelago. The very last prize slaves to be brought to the Cape landed in 1890. They were the Oramo slaves from Somalia. In addition to the back-breaking labor, they were subjected to the cruelest and most barbaric punishments for rebelling. The punishments throughout VOC rule in the 17th and 18th century, the period of Batavian rule and the early years of British rule were extremely barbaric and cruel. These punishments included crucifixions, dismemberment, burning at the stake, impalement drownings and being crushed alive. Another favoured sentence for slaves found guilty of various misdemeanors was being drawn and courted, dragged through the streets and mutilated before possibly being hung. Essayhistory.org.za further tells the story of Louis van Mauritius and Abraham van der Kaap. The unique nature of slavery in the Cape Colony hindered many attempts at wide-scale resistance on the part of Cape Slaves. Instead, many slaves' attempts at resisting and deposing their enslavement was on an individual level, most often through overt attacks on property and individuals, and less often through more passive means such as working slowly, poisoning food or drink, and breaking equipment more often than not however slaves opted for desertion escaping the boundaries of the colony into the interior when slaves did however attempt to organize and execute resistance on a group level it was on many occasions short-lived and quickly quashed by colonial authorities who were more often than not greater in number and equipped with stronger artillery this was the case with the slave uprising of 27 october 1808 led by mauritian slave taylor who went by the name of louis louis had arrived at the cape from mauritius at a very young age and by 1808 was in his early 20s his slave owner was the proprietor of a wine store in cape town which exposed louis and many other cape slaves alike to the ideas and news which accompanied many sailors and soldiers passing through the cape most notably, these transients brought news of revolution and war taking place in other slaveholding societies such as the Americas and the Caribbean. News surrounding the abolition of the slave trade had also crossed the oceans of the colonial world and had surely planted seeds of hope to the enslaved. It was, however, the slave uprisings taking place in Haiti 1791 to 1804 during what has since been termed the Haitian Revolution, which began to stir up ideas of revolt among Louis and his comrades. Events began when Louis met two Irishmen, James Hooper and Michael Kelly, who Louis later claimed had informed him that slavery had ended in both Europe and the Americas. Louis stated that he heard that in other countries all persons were free, and there were so many black people here who could also be free, that we ought to fight our freedom. Louis and the Irishman were also joined by another six conspirators, a slave called Chafta of Batavia, two other slaves, Abraham and Adonis, another Indian slave who has remained unnamed, and two Khoi, Khoi men. The group planned to march from the rural districts and gather as many slaves and farm laborers as possible on their way into Cape Town, before seizing the Amsterdam battery. After that, they planned to turn their weapons on the castle and attempt a peaceful negotiation to establish freedom for all slaves. On the evening of 27 October 1808, the conspirators assembled on the farm of Harardis just north of present-day Malmesbury. With Irishmen disguised as British officers, the group managed to convince the absent farmer's wife to hand over all their slaves into the hands of the military party. They even managed to convince the farmer's wife to supply them with an evening meal and a place to rest for the night. When morning came, the group proceeded from farm to farm in the Swartland and Kuburg hinterland of the Cape and managed to successfully persuade slaves and Khoikhoi farm laborers to join in the uprising. They initially faced very little resistance and managed to gather a group of over 300 mutinous slaves and servants. Why the farmers didn't do more to resist and defend their property and families can most likely be explained by three simple factors. The sheer sight of such a massive an organized crowd would have confirmed the very worst nightmares of many European farmers in the colony at the time. The group were also well armed and would have easily overpowered any farmer making resistance almost impossible. Furthermore, the group were reported to have moved quickly from farm to farm, allowing them to catch each farmer by surprise. Only one farmer reported to have fought back, a certain Hendrik Prin. even then however it was only after he had been bound by the resistors that he was able to break loose and fire a gun at them. The resistors themselves were not, on the whole, physically violent, but instead acted with considerable moderation in comparison to similar revolts elsewhere in the world. The farmers who they had encountered on the farms were mishandled and often tied up, but no lives were lost. There is, however, an account of the severe manhandling of a farmer by the name of Adrian Lowe, who was reportedly grabbed by his hair, hit over the head and on his back with the butt of a musket, and pulled along the floor to the wagons. Property of the farmers, however, suffered the most. In most cases, the farms were completely looted of horses, arms and ammunition. Seven farms were recorded to have had their windows completely smashed and doors ripped off with the contents of their homes and chests looted. In some cases, the cellars of the farms were even opened and wine distributed among the resisting slaves. The 340 attacked over 30 prosperous grain farms in the region and went as far as to take many farmers captive in the process. From there, the group marched into Cape Town where they had planned to hoist the bloody flag and fight themselves free. A mere 36 hours after the insurrection had begun, it was quelled as the group were met by both the infantry and the cavalry at Salt River. While many scattered, the troops managed to capture 326 of the marchers. Of the 326, 47 were put on trial. Louis himself and one of the Irishmen, James Hooper, were found guilty of treason and sentenced to be hanged. A further 11 were sentenced to death for active participation while others were given lesser sentences, including imprisonment on Robben Island. What also added to the distinctive nature of the 1808 revolt was the intriguing ways in which the rebels behaved. Instead of asserting purely physical violence and intimidation, the revolting slaves asserted themselves symbolically too. It is recorded that the slaves deliberately reversed the slave-master relationship, on horseback, the revolting slaves gave orders to the male farmers while holding shambox, which had become the symbol of slave ownership and dominance at the time. Furthermore, they deliberately addressed the captive farmers using the word "J" rather than the usual i, e", which was respectful, and the expected way for a slave to address their master. The criminal sentence later explained the use of the word "J." as a disrespectful expression in the Dutch language Louis went one step further obtaining very specific clothes to wear he wore a blue jacket turned up with red white Chinese linen trousers two golden and two silver epaulets beside some feathers for his hat this uniform was similar to the one worn by Toussaint Louverture slave leader of the Haitian revolution and clearly signifies the influence that slave resistance movements elsewhere in the world had on the resisting slaves of the cape in 1808. For 36 hours the roles of master and slave were reversed and the hierarchy of the cape turned on its head. Abraham, one of the original conspirators of the insurrection, aptly explained to a slave woman weeping for her master, tomorrow the troop will hoist a red flag and fight itself free and then the slave women will be able to say J to their mistresses. While the rebellion was short lived, its effects were most certainly felt. In the years to follow more slaves at the cape stood their ground and rather than deserting as they had in the past began to demand rights within the colony this paired with the actions of abolitionists both far and near eventually led to the collapse of the institution of slavery in the 1830s
0: for more on the rights of indigenous peoples visit cs.org and follow cultural survival on facebook and twitter